0: Not Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast, Ben, Brett, and Jordy fighting for democracy each and every day, Let's each go. and every pod. We've got great <laughs> guests on this pod, Harry Littman, LA Times Legal Affairs columnist and former US attorney at the DOJ, he teaches constitutional law at UCSD and UCLA, and is the executive producer of the Talking Feds podcast. I would say one of the top legal podcast, maybe the top legal podcast out there. Although Legal AF, my legal
1: podcast, many, many people are saying is the best legal. (laughs) It's a record. That's a record. That's the fastest you've ever plugged Legal AF on the show. Within the first 10 seconds of the Midas Touch podcast, you plug Legal AF, just amazing. amazing. Legal AF
2: has been fantastic, though. like extra good lately because has, so much I is going even, on. Your yeah. breakdowns have been so fantastic. And I've been loving the Wednesday editions of Legal AF. For those who don't know, there's now a Wednesday edition of Legal AF to bring you even more legal analysis, so good stuff. But definitely check out Talking Feds. I mean, this morning on Talking Feds, he had just like a, this all-star panel. I listened first thing in the morning. It was Aaron Burnett. It was Rick Wilson, Eric Swalwell, all in one show discussing the the most important issues of the day. So definitely check that out. And we definitely have a lot of issues to discuss, but Jordy first, I got to say congrats on the big game. Woo! Jordy officially squared off against Pennsylvania attorney general, Josh Shapiro, who is the democratic nominee for governor in Pennsylvania, the front runner. And, uh, you know what I said, congratulations. So I kind of spoiled it, but uh, you know, it's more, it's more to it than just the game itself. Exactly. I recommend everybody go to our YouTube channel and check out the Josh first Jordy Video. It's incredibly heartwarming, incredibly. Not really a big
0: spoiler, Brett. It was on the front page of basically every newspaper that Jordy beat. Jordy beat
2: Josh Shapiro.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was. It was. You know what, though? We were all winners that day because, you know, we raised money for the greater. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, which is such a special cause. So seriously, thank you to everyone who watched the live stream. That was awesome. Thank you to everyone who contributed. And uh, Brett, thank you for flying down here and and helping to stitch all of that together, man. Without you, that wouldn't have happened. So, oh, and obviously a huge thank. You to Attorney General and future Governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro. I mean, this guy is a superstar. Jordan, thank were you, you for accepting the challenge.
2: Were you nervous playing? Uh, yeah, I mean, he almost beat me. He did. It was like there was a point way, where it was way
1: closer than I would
2: have. I, I, I think you got a little afraid at one point point. you're like, I better step up my game. And then you were like shooting threes and stuff, I, but I'm, I, took it I was for impressed granted. by him. He, the... <laughs> he really didn't miss. He had one spot on the court where he could shoot and he would make the shots without fail. But Jordy came on top won the one V one game. We raised a lot of money for them myself representative. Brothers. Great job, Jordy. Cause we may yeah, have disowned yeah, you if he the golden lost golden the game. Poodle. Hold you on. Get to you keep... Guys
1: keep going. I'm going to grab the poodle.
0: Golden poodle is a trophy that gets passed around the golden poodle. I brought out at uh some home decoration store in my competition with Jordy where I beat Jordy in tennis. Jordy <laughs> beat me in basketball. We were one on one on, we I won one, he won one, and somehow he stole the golden poodle. He's yeah, showing Jordy stole the an screen. and flew it up. showing the, the screen, the golden poodle, Jordy again ignores the fact that most of our people listen to this on the audio.
2: They but need to showing... watch, man.
1: It's an incredibly engaging visual podcast, even more so. Now they, they need to watch. To. They
2: need to watch and listen and tell all and tell 10 friends to watch and listen and keep growing. We talk
0: about shit. Jordy almost missing. Let's get into the news. Big misses by Bill Barr recently on yeah. his rehabilitation tour, whatever the hell he's supposed to be doing. He spoke to Some Savannah Guthrie recently about his book, and he was asked, I think, pretty basic questions about. Donald Trump. Why don't we play the clip, though, that everybody's talking about right now? And we'll talk about it afterwards. But let's play Savannah Guthrie interviewing Bill Barr.
3: You say in your book, it's time for the party to move on from Trump. Liz Cheney has said he is not fit to serve and should not be
2: ever near the Oval Office again. Do you agree with that?
0: Well, I certainly have made it clear. I don't think he should be our nominee. And I'm going to, you know, support somebody else for the
3: nomination. But if he is the nominee, and you have your choices, Donald Trump or whoever's running on the Democratic side, would you vote for him?
0: Uh, because I believe that the, the greatest threat to the country is the progressive agenda being pushed by the Democratic Party, it's
3: inconceivable to me that I wouldn't vote for the Republican nominee. So even if he lied about the election and threatened democracy, as you write in your book. Well, it's, well, it's hard, better than a Democrat.
0: It's hard to project what the facts are going to turn out to be three years hence. But as of now, it's hard for me to conceive that I wouldn't vote for the Republican nominee. All right. All right. I have so many, so many thoughts on. Well, this. first off, it's hard to project what the facts are going to turn out. Let me not project what the <laughs> facts are going to be out. Let me cite a source. Your book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's you. nothing that needs
0: to be projected your book says that donald trump lied about the election to try to overthrow our democracy what facts would you need to project so that's my first point brett okay. You okay so point. first give it.
2: My, my first one, i'm gonna make a couple so my first point is the boogeyman of yes of course i'm gonna fight again against the destructive progressive agenda what destructive progressive agenda allowing people to vote getting people a higher minimum wage, protecting the environment. Like, what is this evil progressive agenda that he's trying so hard to stop at every cost that he would want to elect Donald Trump, the man who by his own admission is a threat to global democracy? And this is like all these people who try to release these books to try to make money off their situation. This is how every interview goes the same way. They're like, so, sir, uh, do you think Donald Trump is a threat to American democracy?
0: And then they end like this. Had to take a cold hard look in the mirror. <laughs> and absolutely <laughs> Donald Trump is a threat. And I tried to Wait, stop him. Next I question. Tried...
2: Sir, next, sir, next question. So okay. you think Donald Trump is a, a danger to national security?
0: I absolutely, unfortunately, have come to the conclusion since yes. my time in the White House that Fascinating. some of the conduct I've seen has mm. been beyond the pale. Mm, interesting. So
2: you would probably say then that he's like a psychotic. Madmen hell bent on ending the entire planet as we know it.
0: Yes, you know, I think that when you take a step back and you can finally reflect on those years, I think that there are deep issues we need to explore along those lines. And so, I did try to call attention to that. I did what I could in yes. my position. Interesting.
2: So, what do you want for Donald Trump in twenty twenty
3: two? In twenty twenty four,
0: as between the radical progressive agenda <laughs> and the potential of a Republican. I may have to vote for <laughs> yeah, It's, it's like not, really not even skipping gas. a
2: beat on the last one. Yeah. It's, you think he's a madman?
0: Yes. So would you vote for him in
2: 2024? Oh, absolutely. I vote for him. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I mean, would that's definitely it. vote for
0: that madman. Yeah. Uh, uh, that madman uh, who's trying to overthrow a democracy. That is way, 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 way safer than someone who wants to reduce greenhouse gas emissions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and the third <laughs> takeaway <laughs> is. Look, it's a money grab. Again, they must have the same PR person that Chris Christie had a few weeks ago because all of them, they <laughs> do this, right? It's crazy. They all go out there. They all get publicly shamed, right? For, for taking these interviews. I'd say Barr fared better in the media uh, than Christie did, but still not well. And it, at the end of the day, they just want to make money. They don't care what they have to say to sell their damn book.
2: And I asked the same question that I asked for Chris Christie, which is, who is Bill Barr's audience? Yeah. Who are Bill Barr fans? Who are they? Who is buying this book? Because I couldn't tell you a single person in the Venn diagram of all the various supporters where it overlaps into Bill Barr fans who are going to buy this book. It's, it's just an outrage. And these people should be publicly shamed. And these people should not even be able to like walk outside without being shamed and like food. <laughs>
0: well, I'll tell you, the, at the end of the day, this is what Bill Barr means when he says the progressive. Uh, Agenda. This is what he means. This is what they all mean. Barack Obama. They do not want black and brown leaders. That's what it really comes down to. The institutions that they're protecting is their whiteness is white supremacy at the end of the day, that is what they want to protect and their illogical way of describing these things, is because they can't just go out and say what they really intend to say. Because a progressive agenda right now is fighting for workers, is raising the minimum wage. Hey, it doesn't make sense to us that you're paying workers uh, pennies While a CEO is making a hundred million dollars a year and then not paying taxes. That is, that's some sort of radical, wild agenda. It absolutely isn't a radical and wild agenda. It's a common sense agenda fighting for the American people, but that's ultimately what bill Barr means. Yeah. I think Ben,
2: one of the things that you, that has resonated me, which you have said on this podcast on multiple occasions now is that They want to turn America into a South Africa style apartheid state. Like that's their sort of vision of America. And I think once you look at all of their ideology, all of their actions through that framing, it makes sense why they support a country like Russia. It makes sense why they want to turn America into Russia, because they look at that as the ideal of what America should aspire to be. They look at the persecution of the LGBTQ plus community there and they go, why aren't we doing that here? And they go, why aren't we doing that here? And not only why aren't we doing that here, let's do that right here in Florida. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. They go, how could we implement these policies here on a level that we could get through? Our Senate, our state senates, our state house of representatives. That's their goal. Time and time again, it's why they support Putin. It's why they buy into that same Putin propaganda and spread the
0: same lies here. It's all a means to the same end. Yeah, and the means to that end is power. You know, at some point, is democracy able to fulfill their goals of power and their assessment of it is currently them being the radical right extremists who call themselves Republicans, the Republican Party, that democracy no longer works for them anymore the way it once did. And so they need to switch the system, even if that means authoritarianism even if that means sacrificing democracy. And we see this and the stark contrast of it is so much more illuminated right now with the bravery of the Ukrainians Mm -hmm. risking their lives and fighting for democracy. And you compare an actual courageous (laughs) effort by them with the clownishness of the of these convoys, which don't even have any thread of logic. They never had any thread of logic, but it's literally just an insane mental asylum, people driving car. These people shouldn't have licenses. You're talking about the
1: free dumb convoy with all the truckers lately recently, right? I'm
0: definitely talking about the free dumb convoy. And I just think it's highlighted that like, first off, they all look like bad guys. Like they all look like the bad guys. They all look like the villains from I, I just saw the Batman movie. Like they all look like the villains. And got, like, right. And, and, and frankly, you know, and frankly, they are. I mean, these are people who are corrupt with no conviction. You see these videos emerging of Roger Stone over the weekend bragging mm-hmm. about selling pardons on behalf of Donald on camera, Trump on camera, on, on, on tape. camera, bragging about it because for them. Lawlessness is the end. Lawlessness is the objective. That's why I'm happy that we have on the podcast who we'll bring in in a little bit, Harry Litman, because I want to talk about really the rule of law. Democrats are fighting for the rule of law in prosecuting insurrectionists, in getting documents about insurrectionists, in enforcing the rules. Of a civil society of condemning Putin. We are the party. We're the rule of law party, period.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, there's one rule of law party. There is one party that lives in reality. And then there's one just insane, crazy party. And you saw today, even, you know, there there was a report out on the Hill that was talking about how Republicans are actually threatening the Justice Department now, saying that if they are investigating Trump, that it would trigger political war. First off, the Republican Party has already declared political war on Mm -hmm. the United States of America. And that statement in and of itself is very Putin-esque. That statement is like the same statement that Putin made leading up to his invasion up If you do anything, we're going to declare war. It's the same thing. And I think if you haven't been paying attention, do you see it yet? Do your friends and family see it yet? Have you told them? Do you see the Putin propaganda machine and the right-wing propaganda machine? Do you see how they are the same? Read the statements coming out of Russia. Read the statements that come out of the GOP. They are nearly identical. Both of them invent these bullshit stories and they spread them as the truth. They spread them as gospel. We're going to denazify Ukraine. That's no crazier than the conspiracies we've seen about the Clintons. That's no crazier than the conspiracies we've seen about Hunter Biden. That's no crazier than the conspiracies we've seen about even Midas Touch. Like it's no crazier than the conspiracies. Or Mike
0: Lindell. We are filing a class action against all machines. It's no bigger than you know that that craziness. It's no. What does it even mean? We're filing a class action against all machines. That guy's like <laughs> Trump's closest. One of Trump's he closest was in the White House
2: when they were figuring out how to overturn the election. He's not just some random crazy lunatic. I mean, he is, but he also had an influential role on that White House. I mean, you could be sure if that if Trump was president right
0: he's now, he's just some crazy lunatic who was in the White House. Who was in the White House? <laughs> <laughs> he's both.
2: Yeah, you could, you could be. You could be both. I mean, if Trump were president, like in addition to our government uh, probably supporting Russia and wanting to pull out of NATO and constantly criticizing NATO as we've seen Trump do publicly right now. You could see Trump repeating the same Putin lies about denazification of Ukraine and saying stuff like, oh, you know, Ukraine, very corrupt, in bed with the Bidens and the Clintons. Very bad. It's a very bad situation over there. We need to help Russia cleanse Ukraine of this corruption and this Nazi scourge that has taken over the he Wouldn't use words like scourge. It's a little too complex for him. But you could see him making statements like that. And in that case, you would see 50 percent of the country echoing Trump's statements. And we'd be in a much, much much, much more dire place in the world right now. So you'd probably be like, well, we have to show strength with Russia, with this weak Ukrainian leader who tried to help embed with the Bidens and the Clintons. And it's getting very ugly over there in Ukraine, by the way. And we need to step in. I mean, they, they, those people would buy it hook, line and sinker. And the GOP, all the people who are speaking out right now, they would back Trump in it. If he were in power, they would back him 100%. So, I mean, I, that's I, I think we need to be cognizant of that fact and, and understand that we you know, have a real threat to democracy here in America. And the threat lies with the Republican Party and their lies. And we need to return to a country that
0: really abides by the rule of law. Do you remember when uh, Vice President Dan Quayle, uh, President H W Bush, he misspelled potato. This was in nineteen ninety two, and that was like, well, you wouldn't recognize it. Breakfast. I, 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 I mean, I don't remember
2: today. it from a memory, but I, I know it from learning history. Yes. It was so the that was scandal the, in history.
0: So that was, <laughs> you know, back in the day where education was important. That was like a major scandal. Just in the past twenty four hours, Donald Trump has praised North Korea's Kim Jong Un and saying that he wants his staff to act like Kim Jong-Un's staff and cower to him the way Kim Jong-Un's staff cowers to Kim Jong-Un and praised Kim Jong-Un for making his advisors sit at attention when he talked and that that's how American workers and American people who work for him should act. So that was one. Um, And in the same speech that he gave, um, Trump said that perhaps what uh, would have been a better military strategy would have been if America took its F-22 planes, put the Chinese flag on them, and then bombed the shit out of, this is his language, then bombed the shit out of Russia. And then we can say China did it. And we didn't do it. And China did it. And then China will start fighting with Russia. This man had the nuclear codes. This man had the nuclear codes. And that was his idea. And then rather than be like, OK, that's the dumbest fucking idea in the world and the scariest thing for a former president to say the echo chamber of these right wing radicals who are now all Republicans, you know, short of maybe Liz Cheney and Adam Kitzinger and and, and maybe on Tuesday Mitt Romney, depending on which. Tuesday it is. <laughs> You know, you get people like Michael Knowles, who hosts a very popular podcast, who's brought on. With Ted Cruz, he hosts a podcast yeah, he, as well. Huh? He takes a photo like this. I mean, this is his photo. I mean, just... <laughs> He's got his hands. Ben's got his
2: hands crossed uh, underneath Under his chin very this, this astutely.
0: Is, <laughs> this is a, a, an interesting thing. You know, I'm, I'm a deep thinker. And then he writes, unironically, a saner Russia policy than everything Biden has given us to date.
1: These people and that's not
0: unique to Michael Knowles. That's what all. Yeah, he does. He hosts the podcast with Ted Cruz. That's what all. The Republicans, aka radical right extremists, are out there saying right now, not Biden, who united NATO, United the Allies, imposed tough sanctions, Ukraine uh, helped supply Ukraine with weapons, um, rallied the world around Ukraine, isolated Russia, so it's just Russia, Belarus, Iran, ooh, Iran and the GOP. That's basically <laughs> the only people who support. Uh, Russia right now in the world um, that this F twenty two idea now Brett maybe you can explain to me what's the logical fallacy of the F twenty two theory by Donald Trump? I don't even think we need to get into the logic of this dumb fucking idea. I mean, it's just the
2: stupid idea. Okay, but, but China, if, if you doesn't, break it down, China doesn't have F twenty two plans. Okay? China doesn't but have F twenty two. But like, that's even like, do we even need that analysis to decide <laughs> that? This is just a dumb,
0: idiotic, scary, frightening idea. Like, come on. And to that, you know what I say, Brett? P-O-T-A-T-O. Let's bring in our, (laughs) let's bring in our guest, Harry. Littman. Harry is the LA Times legal affairs columnist, former U.S. attorney, and DOJ official. He teaches constitutional law at UCSD and UCLA and is the executive producer and host of the Talking Fed podcast. But before we
1: bring it, Harry,
0: <laughs> before we bring it, Harry, I got to talk about AG one. Yes. Yeah. I was hoping you would. Athletic. I feel like I, it's been a while. I told you I was going to talk about favorite Green. of the
2: Midas mighty AG one by athletic greens. Everybody okay, is talking athletic about greens,
0: all the Midas mighty. Everyone who listens to this podcast, I haven't pulled it, but I think everybody who listens to this podcast now drinks <laughs> athletic greens based on our recommendation. I can't confirm that that's entirely true, (laughs) but I can confirm that I see hundreds of photos of everybody drinking AG1 and taking this journey with me for the same reason that I took this journey. I was taking these gummies and these vitamin pills and all of these things that I thought were giving me the nutrition I needed, but they weren't. As I said, you can look at pictures of me from four months ago and look at my pictures post my AG1 journey. Drastic. wake up Drastic. I take my AG1. I do a little scoop dee doop. I put the powder in the cup di cup. I put the watery water in it. I shake ity shake, and then I and then I drink it. And then I got the energy I need for the day. Athletic Greens, when you take it, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, or superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. It really does all things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this is for you. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold, brew habit and athletic greens is a climate neutral certified company. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop of cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy. Athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance and post your pictures on AG1 to Midas Touch, and we will be sure to retweet it. That's athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Let's bring in Harry Lipman. We've talked a lot about these issues um on the legal af podcast and it's great i want to hear a former federal prosecutor's views you know uh he's led a prosecutorial office he knows um you know these issues in and out hosts an incredible podcast let's bring in harry litman
3: thanks you forgot a big part of my resume man u.s attorney in Pittsburgh, PA. I think Let's the, the, the Miners has a personal connection there. Absolutely. Well, I blame
0: that on Jordy because one, Jordy's based in Pittsburgh. Two, true. Jordy yeah. is the researcher pre interview. So Jordy <laughs> should have realized you are his hometown prosecutor. Jordy, what's going on there? He, he realized stoked. that you
3: know, look, if you're from Pittsburgh, you, you just don't have to say it. People understand <laughs> that they know if they pick it up. Jordy did fine. Absolutely. Yin, yins have no idea, Ben. Yins have, yins have no, no idea. idea. I, I think I know
1: what that means. Yins.
0: <laughs> I, I don't fully know. Jordy may have done fine. But you know who didn't do fine? Uh, you know, well, we'll see it this evening when it airs. But I've seen the clips is Bill Barr on his rehabilitation tour, or whatever the hell you want to call this. Um, so now Bill Barr is out there saying that he opposed Donald Trump, that he wasn't supportive of it yet. He would vote for Donald Trump. Are you watching this, Harry?
3: What in the world is going on there? Man, you guys come out of the box with the worst and toughest question. (laughs) And you wouldn't you wouldn't. This is this is more. So, look, um, I worked for Bill Barr way back when it was Bill Barr one. And, you know, we got and we got and the country got Bill Barr two. But a week doesn't go by where I don't take crap justifiably for being. I before I was at the L.A. Times, I was a columnist of The Washington Post and I came out happily with the op-ed saying you know count me as one democrat who thinks um trump made an excellent choice for all the reasons that you know he's now sort of uh touting and then along i, I was in pretty good company you know there were other uh, other people who had worked in the department when i had but i i actually worked pretty closely with him, and he was a department uh, guy. He was an institutionalist. He was a grown-up, for one. Al- already, it was the case of all the, you know, the, some of, about the biggest flaw that was emerging with this bizarre, um, you know, psychologically flawed president was his need to have little children around, and Mbar was a grown-up, and I, I thought he would stand up to him. So, Little by little, you know, I ate my lunch in horror. And <laughs> when he had that that press conference post uh Mueller, you know, I I I turned on my old patron and was really had been pretty pretty rough then, kind of, kind of vicious, including, you know, I have a circle of friends who also worked with him, not all are Republicans. Um, and it's kind of, there's been this heart, there was this heartbreaking aspect to it then. Um, so in a sense, I'm the last guy to ask about this. <laughs> My credibility is a hundred percent shot. i be, I mean, I was really tough on him after, and I wondered if part of it was a kind of a bitterness at feeling the last sort of thing I said to him was don't make a liar out of me. And he proceeded to make a big liar out, a big fat liar out of me to the country. And on top of everything else, it was just so um, baffling and kind of tragic because i it's not like we've ever talked about Donald Trump, but I had little doubt that he viewed him with contempt. He is a real party guy, but that he viewed him with contempt. OK, so now here we are. And the truth is, yeah, everybody I know is lambasting him and and his, his it's not going well. His PR talk to the extent I've seen snippets, his voice and other things. It's just his body language. But um, the fact is, and again, no one's going to listen to me, but but he there were some real things he did that have to figure in the overall picture of Bill Barr. Not only at the end, I've no doubt. I think nobody has any real doubt that he did those things and stood up to him in December and January. And the, the quick um, retort to that is always, yeah, but after everything else he did, you know, that's worthless. That's just that's a sort of a non sequitur to me. I don't think it was at all worthless that Barr and that Rosen and Donahue, the people he put in there shared, you know, they stood up to um to trump in a way that did matter um and there's one other thing that's pretty damn big which um he doesn't get credit for i and i think is right um there was an investigation going on of hunter biden well you know for over a year and he never told trump now i don't know why exactly it's not of a piece with other stuff that he did but trump got friggin Impeached to try to get the now, you know, I think they've now called him the Jewish Churchill, the hero of the day, justifiably, the new president of Ukraine, Zelensky, just to say we are looking into corruption. That, that, that was really what it was about. So he could have that red meat talking point. You know, I'm sorry, DOJ is investigating Hunter Biden. That's that's redder and meatier, and he never gave it to him. So, uh, look, I'm again, no, <laughs> no one's going to listen to me now. And, and I don't it's, it's a I, I feel like it really brought home. I'm a journalist now and just have to sort of call it as I see it once he once it seemed to me went off the reservation. But I think he brought to the job a tr- in a way people didn't realize I didn't realize a real animus and resentment toward the whole Mueller project and the whole report he actually did sort of see it um i think as kind of political and which you know to to me it was the opposite and bob muller was you know the the apotheosis of the good prosecutor but something was off there and he absolutely then didn't call it square in a way that was you know really designed to blunt um very important information. So this is all long-winded way of saying, yeah, I agree that the that the comeback is not going great. The whole thing is a is really kind of um, has a special kind of roadkill tragedy to me, and I'm not your best Bill Barr uh, discusser, but it does <laughs> seem to me that everyone on You could, you know, I'm a we're a rule of law show. I try to be a a rule of law guy. But everybody on my side of the of the um, that of the rule of law divide, you know, pretty pretty much um, Democrats, at least, are lambasting him for and it doesn't exactly hold up. He did a lot of damage. He facilitated him. All that's true. But um, the I, I think the overall fair verdict of history will be, you know, ambivalent or mixed. He, he even even at a, he, he wasn't Mephistopheles, though he played it pretty good for a few months there.
0: Harry, that's why I think you are, though, where maybe I disagree with you. You are the most credible person to talk about it, because yeah. as you mentioned, you are a rule of law Democrat. Yeah. And so whether that means there is a Republican AG, if they are following the rule of law, that's fine at the end of the day. That's right. But but where your views on him shift is because your ideology about being rule of law, that moral compass has always remained the same. And so when someone deviated from that, you said, wait a minute, that's no longer the rule of law. And that's why when Bill Barr starts making statements like, I believe the greatest threat to the country is the progressive agenda being pushed by Democrats, and that it would be inconceivable to me that I wouldn't vote for the GOP nominee, even if that individual is Donald Trump. And Donald Trump led an insurrection. Donald Trump is praising Putin. Donald Trump this past weekend is praising Kim Jong-un. That's no longer the rule of law. That is the rule of lawlessness. And I think that is why Bill Barr is getting condemned, you know, and and people of his ilk should be condemned and we should embrace we are rule of law. And 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 unfortunately, I wish both political parties were, but it seems that there's only one political party plus Liz Cheney and, you know, maybe one or two
3: others, you know, that that want to hold lawlessness accountable. I basically agree. Um, and it's been a it's been a what the hell happened to the Republican Party and how did they ever pull themselves out of this self-created mess. But again, back to Barr. Look, I think it. I always knew he had partisan Republican views. Here's a little war story from from uh, 90 to 92 or whatever. This all you guys are, are New Yorkers and and Long Islanders by birth. So you you would certainly have followed Woody Allen, when he, when it came out that he was imagining in red in, in America, it's like he's what he's he's dating his step I leave aside all the sort of assault um, kind of uh, accusations. He's doing what he's marrying his stepdaughter, etc. When this came out, Woody Allen in a interview said at a time, seven words, the heart wants what the heart wants, you can totally see what he meant within context. If you if you give it a veneer of sympathy to Woody Allen, Bill Barr wigged out, and he went. He is a sort of pre-Vatican II Opus Day, whatever that is, Catholic, and he wrote a speech as Attorney General, basically like what does this have to do with the Department of Justice? But he really did. He was he does have this view. Had it then. Of the and, and a sort of over the top and and marginal almost comic view of the you know terrible um, cost to the culture of progressive um, values, but it was all consistent with. I agree with you. This that's bad, but far and away worse is just not applying the facts and the law. So when he stood up and and mischaracterized the Mueller report, or when he stood up and said, I've looked at it, only brought poor lackey Rod Rosenstein into the saying, here's my deputy who also says no crime was here. That, I think, is a far uh, more serious um, transgression to the rule of law. Just, you know, basically dishonesty about facts and law. You hear this all the time. Every prosecutor boasts rights, but certainly America are, And we're going to follow the facts. And blah, blah, blah. But it's true and you're behind when you're behind the scenes and i worked a lot at doj including at main justice with merrick garland at main justice with bill barr how many years Republican. were you there harry huh how many years i was you there, there from 92 to 98 before i went mm-hmm. back to pittsburgh so and that was in the main it's been really useful for now because you know it's not it, it's I, I did. I was a line prosecutor, and, and I ran an office. But actually, seeing how it works in Maine and how you are supposed to interact—oh, that whole thing with the White House—that was another. Like, what is Bill Barr doing, and what's he let it, his people doing? So those departures from a calling—you know—the straight shots as best as you can on facts and law, and B, these really important norms of, especially a kind of a wall. Between the White House and DOJ, with this important exception that that people seem to have set to the side about Hunter Biden, that's where you know he was he he was a he was crazy on culture stuff in '92, but he was a straight up uh, rule of law Attorney General for you know George H. W. Bush. And now, now now, he's with this orange-haired child who I know he must have contempt for. Again, he's never said it. And he somehow, you know, uh, allowed huge compromises to the DOJ mission and his own integrity. As I say, I looked up to the guy. It's, uh, it's like there's an element of personal kind of heartbreak to me that, that people have no sympathy for because they see him as just a, you know, a villain.
0: Let's talk about the current... DOJ's efforts, the prosecution under Merrick Garland of insurrectionists. We saw a lot of the uh, initial plea agreements for, I I guess you can call it uh, some of the less bad insurrectionist behavior <laughs> and so some more limited sentencing we've then seen escalations in sentencing a recent plea by a terrorist oath keeper for the sedition conspiracy charge we see a current trial that's taking place right now into the seditious conspiracy um, of an insurrectionist who engaged in in some of the most heinous and egregious conduct. It's all heinous and egregious but specifically there um, and then we see the uh january 6th committee now subpoenaing records from uh, professor former professor oh. uh, john eastman and uh, his records and he's claiming he's trump's attorney so imagine w- w- he w- w- in w- his w-
3: class yeah let's go ahead he's been <laughs> right former professors right did you call.
0: know eastman by the way
3: no mm. you know east i don't know where where the hell he came from and you know it was any port in a storm and some that, that's all he was was a guy who had this for cock theory so they same, same really with Jeffrey Clark. But uh, but but I'm sorry, I you know. Yeah, never, and that was
0: Eastman's reps for people. Like he always had these weird theories, which in a pre-Trump era kind of fascinated people. And some people would see watch the Eastman lectures at Chapman oh, just I to see, see, I what, can see that,
3: yeah. Okay. What kind
0: of crazy theory he would come uh-huh. up with. But he, but I court know, with somebody it's... like
3: that who was, yeah, that was his calling card. Yeah, I can see that. He's now a professor. Yeah,
0: and, and, and let's talk about the right. the, the, the DOJ prosecution yeah. though. Where do you think it stands? Um, you know, lots of people are saying Merrick Garland's going too slow. Merrick Garland's going too fast. Merrick Garland's the greatest.
3: Merrick Garland's the worst. Yeah. Where, where do you stand on? This? So first, no one's saying he's going too fast. <laughs> Second, <laughs> uh, count count me as one rule of law Democrat who thinks Merrick Garland friggin walks on water and i you know that was from being (laughs) down the hall with him personally and i know he's a it's not like uh you know i see him every time i'm in dc but he's certainly a friend so i guess i should say that um but he is so the real deal but let's talk about it because he's getting lambasted by people who think he's not going fast enough If you put aside and it's a huge thing to put aside, but it's also a huge thing to take on a prosecution of political insiders up to and including Trump. These guys had the perfect DOJ week. People started going so slow. The biggest prosecution, biggest investigation of all time. And they've done it by the book. And guess what? They're in about the, you know last third of the uh, or, or even clo- of the book and what the both the trial that you said been last week and the plea involved cooperating witnesses at the highest level. That's why you're going up the ladder. So this first guy pleads to a seditious conspiracy. Remember, we started with basically trespass, seditious conspiracy as the serious as you get. And you're not going to make these charges. I think some people understand this, but a lot don't, until this is the DOJ playbook. You bring it serious enough, you have facts and evidence, and you have people in great jeopardy, so they cooperate. They've done that by the book. All thing, you know, it's not by the political calendar that resets every every second November, but it's not hasn't been slow. And they got the cooperator in to plead. And now he's going to cooperate. And the trial, they also had a fellow three percenter plead. That's textbook success. So on the immediate mass of what they wanted to do. And by the way, what Garland you know, had a passion for doing his two biggest cases ever. Right. You know, Kaczynski um, and McVeigh. He, you know, talk about a rule of law guy. Just it came out. This was a sort of undercover, you know, not fully covered part of his January 5th speech. But the you know, the um kind of justified rage beyond party and politics at the at domestic terrorists and getting in the, in the way of the peaceful transfer of power, the absolute calling card of a democracy. All that, and, and I don't think people have really um, tumbled to this important feature of cooperating witnesses. So everything now I think has, has uh, fallen in line and will continue, right? that He was the guy who pled uh, last, he was the first to the, to the trough. He's going to get a good deal. He should get a good deal. But now, you know, we're going to really put together a huge part of this story. Now, there's two other huge parts of the story. There's two other huge conspiracies out there for sure. One Uh is the whole kind of seamy netherworld of Alex Stone and the guys who actually form a bridge between the terrorists and the political officials. And one for sure is um, you know, Trump himself. I've written, others, other prosecutors have. You've got now the the checklist for that every prosecutor is supposed to, to do. You know, basically it's a righteous case, and um it the evidence is there and a conviction is probable. And I think we are at the point as sort of a country that you can say the only thing worse than with all the immediate and inevitable turmoil and political sturm and drong, the only thing worse than not then prosecuting Trump would be, or, or his circle would be not prosecuting him. You saw Jim Comey with a, yep. with an op-ed today saying, you know, everyone's got to be prosecuted, but, and maybe we're moving to there, but I'll just, I'll, I just want to say two things. First, this shouldn't take away from what, independently looking at the main, the main factual event, not the not the main moral or political event, has been a pretty successful and textbook and organized and methodical um, uh, mission so far by by DOJ. And second, happy to talk about it, but. There's a welder of complications to a US versus Donald Trump case. It probably needs to be greenlighted only by the president of the United States because there's so many questions of what's best for the country, et cetera. And the, I understand and and can somewhat You know, I can discuss Garland's native conservatism, which he has as a prosecutor. You know, we're talking about criminal cases. And, you know, that's he's got this kind of, of mindset and how it plays in the Trump realm. But but, you know. This this is a pr- has been really solid and textbook to date, and we may be doubling back there. But I just want to say the same. He's been super solid, and that's been great for DOJ people. You know, playing by the rules against norms back up there, etc. The January sixth committee is the best. I think there's no real um, competition. Best congressional investigation ever. Talk about comprehensive, methodical, productive, etc. So that you know, huge. Props to them uh, as well. And, you know, down the line and maybe not that far, it looks to me like we may hit um, a a sort of disconnect between them and a really difficult, if decorous uh, wrestling match. And that's in our future. But again, real professionalism from the Congress and real professionalism from the DOJ.
2: Harry, you mentioned prosecutorial conservatism of Merrick yeah. Garland, which I think is an interesting phrase. And I think that could show itself, though, in two different ways. It could show itself in nobody is above the law. Yep. Or it could show itself in prosecuting a former president is too dangerous for the United States of America. So where do you what do you think is actually going to I meant on the first.
3: In- I meant the first. You know, we take seriously. That you know, we had that we keep it quiet until we bring them. We do our talking in court. We make sure everything's buttoned up. You know, there's been some people in speed. You know, screw it, go, go, go to the top now, and you know, if, and because the timing is really necessary in the country. This investigation involves so many more extra prosecutorial considerations about basically the the health of the democracy and that, you know, I think that's why uh, prosecution might, you know, many people think reasonably, I'm probably among them that it's pretty important, but that's not in the normal playbook. So by conservatism, I just mean the first. I don't think he has any um, trouble with the notion, no one, former president, et cetera, is is above um, the law. But, you know, look, you, Put yourself in the shoes of a really serious, top-notch, historically good attorney general, and that is what you've got. Um, who you know has to think, okay, do we shoot at the king, yeah, uh, you know, or at the former king? And the the there, there's not a page in the U.S. Attorney's manual that covers some of the the stuff there that he has to, or he and Biden in consultation have to actually you know, takes stock of and, and that wouldn't normally be the case. But he's not. Look, I think he's basically fearless. So I don't think uh, he'll be moved by, you know, Trump and politics. On the other hand, I don't think he'll be moved by you've got to do it. The You know, the the we're about to lose the one committee, yeah. all the all the kinds of you could you could say political pressures. I I, I think they're that sort of demeans them a little. But all those kinds of things that will be coming from. What is definitely his his home party. You know he un, he understands and sympathize. Oh I oh and I know this personally. His contempt and outrage at what happened is sec. You know we 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 don't is second to none, including all of us us four. But. Um, not a, not a casual kind of of um decision to make on the other end but i will also say we don't know exactly um but i think there's very strong reason to believe they're hardly out of the box on a, on a serious investigation of the political um actors here up to and including trump just because everybody except the Department of Justice leaks like a sieve in Washington. And we wouldn't know if there had been subpoenas and that kind of stuff. So he is going on a schedule that if it gets to Trump, won't get there uh, soon. And I understand uh, and in some way share everyone's um, you know frustration with that.
2: Yeah, I, I share everyone's frustration too. Yeah. Um, although, you know, I think there's a weird, thing happening of people equating what Merrick Garland does with the Democrats chance for success in the midterms. Totally. And I'm like, Merrick Garland is not a legislator. He's not like an elected official in that way. So I don't understand why you're putting all the eggs in our midterm basket in a guy who is not on our schedule. There's a reason. And it's actually for the betterment of our country. Yeah, that he's I mean, not you on should be glad that he isn't.
3: I understand. It'd be nice to have um, whatever you thought about Bill Barr, or who would be the Democratic equivalent I don't know. I do think that, like, Democrats are there. There are fewer of those, but I'm sure there. I'm sure there are some who would, with a wink. Well, look, forget some. Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin, two unimpeachable, fantastic public servants. And Adam Schiff, by the way, did gave a prosecutor. They should. They'll be teaching that in rhetoric classes. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was awesome. There's no doubt. As Attorney General, he'd be awesome. There's also no doubt as Attorney General the case, as long as the president agreed, would already have been brought. So that's 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 part of what you could say is the conservatism. There would be people who would be ready to say, look, this is my normal job. Ninety nine point five percent. Guess where we are now, guys. We are here. We have to be thinking about different things. And let's might as well think about it now rather than later, because if we are going to if we really do have in mind the public good, of a prosecution here, as far as holding, you know, account as far as accountability, as far as the the good of the political system as a you know overall, which is not our normal lookout as prosecutors, but probably is here. Might as well do it now. That would be absolutely, I'm sure, if it were Attorney General Schiff, an honorable decision. And you could question whether Merrick Garland, who walks on water, is making a mistake in doing what fundamentally applying the same playbook that goes for a bank robber uh, and a and a corporate fraud guy to the former president of the United States and not not taking you know account of the special factors enough or fast enough, et cetera. But everyone, each of those instances would be, would still be acting in good faith. And it's exactly as you say, Brett, the desire of people who for good reasons wanna see him prosecuted that for political reasons wanna see the Dems not lose, not not have the one six committee be forced to fold up shop, you know, dishonestly, not wanna have a whole series of investigations for, you know, did somebody uh, use the you know, their their email inappropriately when there's you know crime, don't wanna have the whole crime and investigation brigade that'll happen if the Dem, if the Republicans win. It gets mixed up in um, in Merrick Garland's mission, and Merrick Garland's reflexive response is, "Sorry, that's just I'm I'm yeah. I'm leaving that to the side. I hear you, but it's just not what I do."
2: Let me throw out two theories for you that are going around in the legal world right now. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on where you stand. So I've seen uh, many legal minds, including former House impeachment manager Daniel Goldman, speculate that DOJ is not investigating Trump at all because we would see public evidence. Like you said, we would hear about subpoenas, about grand juries and all these things. On the flip side, I've seen people like Allison Gill, who uh, is uh, hosts the uh, Daily Beans podcast, who is a partner of our show, who is incredible. One of her theories is that if Garland truly declined to prosecute Trump, we'd see similar shakeups at DOJ like we saw at the Manhattan DA's office. We'd see people quitting. We'd see people leaving in protest. So I'm curious, can both of those theories be true? Yeah, they can. It's just where
3: we are. So that's it, what I think I, I agree with. These are both uh, good friends and great um, uh, commentators. And and I think they're both right. We would have, but we were nowhere near. And this is what's sort of disconcerting. We are nowhere near a declination, nowhere near a declination. And of course, he's got the same back to what I said about the the success of the last week in method. He and, and some people, I think maybe including Dan, have criticized, you know, He's going it's, you know, up the top. Now we'll get to Alex Stone. Now maybe we'll get well, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Well, you know, get to somebody in the room. And it's like, God, you know, in the long run, by the time you bring this prosecution, its actual benefit to the common well will be so, so dissolute. Um, I mean, I mean, so diluted, excuse me. So I I think where we are is what, as Dan says, we would know if they were real, if there was a grand jury looking at forget Donald Trump looking at uh, Mark. uh, Well, Mark Manos is a special case, but but, you know, looking at any of Trump's circle for one six, we would know it. And if there were a declination, we would also know it. And that means that we are we have neither yet now, you know, I think it would probably be a mistake if if Merrick Garland is saying we got to get all the way to the top, put it, you know, have everything tied up with a ribbon and a bow on the one sixth um, actual investigation before we would even move to the potential political actors in one six, everything that Trump was doing, the difficult issues of intent, which I think by now are very well proven totally are, even just with publicly available evidence, he he could do it. I don't know, I don't, we don't know that he's doing that, but why it does seem to me that it would have, that it would now be timely for there to be real action on an active investigation of a different it's a different file that you would open up from everything you've done so far the file on donald trump under 28 usc 1512 and 20 i mean 18 usc 1512 and 18 usc 371 the thing the exact crimes that the one six committee um identified they are going to send a referral and so i mean it will happen i don't i'm not I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I think one could take professionally quibble with that. Nevertheless, I believe it hasn't happened yet. And certainly no declination has has happened. Al- Allison and Dan are both my friends and I agree with my friends, even if but it, but it, it, it is, in fact, um, you can you can make it harmonious.
2: Oh yeah, and for and for the record, I, I think they're both brilliant and I'm a huge yeah. fans of both of them. And yeah. I think both their legal theories have merit, which is why I'm yeah. was curious and eager to get your thoughts on it. Uh last thing from me before I toss it over to Jordy. I know everyone's like, let Jordy ask a question already. Well, stop episode,
3: stop silencing Jordy. Episode. <laughs> What's what do you guys got against Pittsburgh anyway? Exactly, right? Was <laughs> Nothing. We're probably, I was, we're, in, you know, I was we're, in Pittsburgh is recently it and I heard big... is it, is it all the okay, but anyway, go ahead. So it's uh, when the, the penguins trash <laughs> the islanders, at least. A couple times, that must be it. It's that's the exactly it. go you t-
2: deep. You took the words out of my mouth, Harry. Yeah. Um, no, the the other thing I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. It's been 80 plus days since Mark Meadows was referred for a, a criminal indictment. So why do you think that has not happened yet when Steve Bannon happened at a much quicker pace?
3: Yeah, that's a really really good question, and I can get you to 30, 40, 50, f- pretty easy. But it is a long time. So look, I'll tell you the process. Um, wh- why it's a much harder. Case, for starters, because there is a tenable claim, I think, uh, I, uh, not meritorious, but a tenable claim of executive privilege that Bannon didn't have. So they have to work through that. I think this could would have also been the case with Bannon, but they definitely have to let a defense, you know, this is a this is a decision whether to whether to to take away someone's liberty or to try to, they got to let his lawyers come in, make their presentations. Maybe make maybe there's some kind of negotiation going on in a triangulated way, and meetings take forever to convene—fifty days, sixty days. But it's a long, uh, it's a long time. And if they're gonna turn it, turn it down, they ought to just. And, and Garland would understand this. They may they may be saying again, they take he takes criminal prosecution really seriously. So he may be saying if Meadows is overall thinking executive privilege, it's it's got the flavor of it, even if it doesn't uh, hold up legally and that we could bring it legitimately. But, you know, that's not enough to take a guy's liberty away you can see they there concluding that, but then they should rip the damn Band-Aid off and they should have already. And there's good and there's good uh, reason to. So, you know, a normal process, but to, you know, more legally complicated and definite like kinds of memos from different affected constituencies within the department and um, uh, and and meetings with his counsel, maybe a series of them. But that's the book. Here's how you could fault yeah. um, Merrick Garland. I won't do it because I just don't know the inside facts well enough. But in general, he plays it by the book all the friggin time. And here with Meadows, if if no one knew anything about January 6th, but just an important guy was under investigation, which in theory we wouldn't know. You go through a process with lawyers and meetings, etc., etc., but there is something on the other side here. There is a real need for acting with dispatch, and there is a need for recognizing the book, the U.S. Attorney's Manual, which, you know, it's a governmental bureaucratic document. It doesn't cover everything. So um, it's getting a little long in the in the tooth. There may be reasons that they've tentatively decided to decline, but they really want to bend over backwards because they know it'll take the wind out of the sails of the committee. One thing about the referral, same thing with Bannon. The committee is the victim. So that that gets real weight the victim a, a you know a separate institutional part of government has come to you and said i've been harmed here and you really look at it carefully and i reason i mention that is if and when and i think it's when they bring a referral on trump for the two crimes that are in that eastman paper that's not the position the congress will be in it's the Country uh, that's basically the victim, and yeah. DOJ will say thank you, and now we'll evaluate the evidence independently. But back to Meadows, and maybe they've tentatively decided no, but they're really, you know, pending over backwards or trying to facilitate some negotiations with um, uh, the the committee itself. Um, you know, the wheels of justice grind exceedingly slow, and that's certainly true at the DOJ, but it's too freaking long already. You know, they, yeah. they should, if they're going with a no go with the damn no, mm-hmm. because you know, you don't want, and Garland knows this. I mean, they, they, they violated norms again and again in the last, uh, you know, under, under Trump and, and Sessions and Barr that foiled a really, that, you know, the public's right to know the the bigger outrage I would say, even then no criminal accountability for the most um you know, uh, damaging stuff is that here we are, and we don't even have the whole story of what the hell happened. It, you know, we haven't you know be, and it's because of the stonewalling by by Trump and the and and company and the the sort of cynical manipulation of the difficulty of getting content from Congress. So you know, compare the Kennedy assassination or compare, Nine Eleven. It's a it's a democratic imperative to get the story for yeah. you know for and and this is what you know the hesitation on a guy like Meadows is preventing them from doing. If they can't bring content, so they 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 got to retreat and and play with the cards they're dealt. But it's time to deal them. I agree.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean you know uh, politics abhors a vacuum, I would say, and, and the yeah. DOJ creating this vacuum. I understand they have a policy that says, hey, uh, you know, we're not allowed to comment on ongoing investigations, but I think they need to say something because all that's going to fill that vacuum are conspiracy theories, frustrations, anger
3: and distrust in the process. And so
2: that's why I these think are really important public
3: something. points. This isn't politics in a Democrat uh, Republican way to take to take stock of. So, again, the it's possible that that garland has made a decision precisely because of all the political you know roiling to be exactly by the book and in a you know that's something in professor chapman's seminar or elsewhere i think i would argue is not right but you know given who he is and his overall sophistication i would just want to know everything but i you know this is ne- it's never gonna. It was never possible to play this whole thing by the book because the book doesn't cover this. It just, you know, that this is this is a exigent, even singular event in the country's history. The book, the book wasn't written for it. And Harry, as you just saw there, Brett is the king of
1: saying, I just have one more question and then proceeding to ask three more questions before he allows (laughs) me to speak. So just you just saw that play out on real time. I love that. And Um, you're
3: hungry and you want them to pass the meal. And yeah, he's okay.
1: Harry, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. No, no,
3: no. I know we're short on time, Ben. No, (laughs) But, but just cut, just cut whatever you want. Well, you guys obviously will. What would no, we, we don't. We're one take. We're one take. Really? Oh, one take. man. <laughs> Harry, sorry, Harry. all you audience for my <laughs> long windedness. I didn't realize. Oh, I'm really sorry. Okay. No, when no, I do my podcast, amazing. half of what I do after is cut out all my prolix crap so that people here. well anyway go ahead harry on the last on the last pod i was just working out on the <laughs> yes, peloton
0: crazy. i just showed up drenched in sweat and the brother's
1: like what do you do i'm like it's all about transparency this is what you get <laughs> all right let you already ask his Wart- question minus
3: warts and all okay <laughs>
1: All right, Harry, sticking with our theme here, which is clearly attorney generals, as well as our Pittsburgh connection. Yeah, uh, I was fortunate enough this past week. I was able to play the attorney general of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, yep. uh, in a game of one on one basketball. We raised money for the Greater great. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was. I awesome. hear he's we pretty good. Is it true? Oh, he could hoop. We we yeah, had a heard really was, competitive yeah. game. Uh, he's got game, right? Yeah, oh, he, he could play. He could play. Yeah, yeah. And so we yeah. raised money for the greater Pittsburgh community food bank, as well as his gubernatorial uh, campaign. And
3: one on one. Good for you,
1: man. Oh. That's gutsy. It was yeah. uh, it was it was scary, but but I, yeah. I, I took it home. I took it home. Yeah. But okay. so so knowing that you're you know, you do have your Pittsburgh connection, obviously. How important is it to have a big D Democrat governing over the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania?
3: OK, here I am. I don't know if you have a video taking off rule of law hat. Here I am putting on political hat. <laughs> <laughs> Super important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's all right. I
1: got.
2: Well, Jordy gets the two-word answer. That's pretty no. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: that, that's all I need. I'm, I'm a master of brevity,
3: so I appreciate. He, by that. the way, he's a comer. I've worked with him. He's a he's uh, actually two-word, <laughs> super important. <laughs> like, further affiant <laughs> saith not. <laughs>
1: Uh, okay and then taking it back now to your
3: podcast
1: Harry so this morning you released an episode of Talking Feds which is yep. amazing with a blockbuster panel man I mean Aaron Burnett Eric Swallow Rick Wilson talking Ukraine domestic politics and yep. DOJ so tell our audience more about the show where they can listen Great
3: anywhere anywhere you get minus touch you can also get talking that means anywhere um yeah so it's a round table and we're like incredibly blessed with the level of guests, which is cool in and of itself, you know, Aaron Burnett, Rick Wilson, Eric Swalwell is not bad, you know, not it's bad. great, but I, and I don't think, I mean, week in week out, we, we really have some fan phenomenal guests, but the thing about it is you take guests like that, Rick Wilson, largely political Republican background, but now anti-Trump, Eric Swalwell, super smart, former prosecutor, but also um, a, a, a member of Congress saw the was president for the state of the union, Aaron Burnett, Aaron Burnett, you we know, just came back from Ukraine. You put those three together and get, start them talking in a cross current dynamic way. And I just feel like totally lucky for, to, to have my, to have that job. So it's not, it's, there are great people of the, of, you know, you'd only see them really, I think on like a Sunday meet, you know, panel it's that kind of level on t- on network tv but even there they'd each have sort of 5 minute little sound bites back and forth here they have 50 minutes of pretty rich conversation and you know the ukraine stuff i avoided all the news to get to the richer questions of what's putin's end game and how are we going to deal with 10 million uh, refugees etc so I just feel like, uh, you know, man, this uh, from a podcast point of view, this is living. And it's when it when it catches, you know, you you know, this when when the three of you are are there again, when it catches a kind of um, second, third, fourth gear with people questioning each other and back and forth. I just got to say, I don't it's the sort of thing I don't see or hear anywhere else. And, I you know, I just love doing it.
0: What was what was your final takeaway with that panel speaking about Russia? What what, would you leave feeling?
3: There was a lot of talk about Putin and is is his mindset sort of 1989 or like, you know, 18th um, century. But there, you know, I think the danger because he doesn't really have an end game, that was a big thing uh you know the want to talk about domestic politics also and 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 you know the state of the union i know you guys reviewed that in your last podcast and gave it very high marks as as did the um the the panel um and you know i mean it's the i guess the biggest uh takeaway was we're living through history this is you know 1848, 1917, 1945, 1989, and 2022. It really is, the the sort of exit question was, took a, a piece by Alex Fisher in the Washington Post, is the world being kind of remade? Look what's happening in Germany, NATO, look at how the United States has in fact been the world leader after losing so much authority after Trump, et cetera. And the basic notion is, this is history. We're living through history. Oh, and also Putin is going to spend the rest of his life in Russia or the Hague. You know, he's now no actually come into a kind of outlaw um, Saddam Hussein status. That was Babe. those were the big takeaways. But the 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 conversation itself it's it's hopping. We will check it out.
0: And we tell okay. all of our listeners to check okay. out Talking Feds podcast. Harry Littman, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: A pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me. So great having Harry. I'm
0: going to check out. You've already listened to the panel that he did? I listened to the panel. It was it was fantastic. It's really, really, really good. I recommend
2: everybody take a listen.
0: How did you guys know he was from a Berg? How'd you mess that up? One, you're the booker, number one. So that's usually <laughs> the details that you're supposed to provide to us in the research. Okay, literally, yeah. literally, your job criteria.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. You know what it's kind of like? It's kind of like the job criteria. Let's talk about job criteria for a second. Okay. The Uh, job criteria of a social media company at the very least is to do social media, like is to work. Like I think tomorrow, if I was like Ben, Brett, Jordy, I wouldn't call myself Ben though. And I would be like, we need to start a social media company. I'd be fairly confident that in terms of its ability to function, if you in have a week or two weeks, it would at least function better than truth. Social right now that has literally a stock price. I'm going to look up the most recent stock price of it's the, publicly traded. I didn't realize that.
2: Well, it was with the SPAC. So it's, it's oh, right. into the, the other company, which I'm trying right. a blank on right. the
0: name, but Ben knows, but So it's digital world acquisition company is the name of it. And it is look, to be fair today, it's down about 8%. (laughs) Um, I, I dude, I need to short the shit out of the stock. Like I (laughs) I keep saying I'm going to, I, I have not yet. I feel like I just have to like, the, the the underlying thing doesn't even work. Like, it is a ridiculous concept. I'm showing it right now. It's down 8% today, but it's still trading at 89. Do you know how ridiculous it is that the SPAC trades at 89? There are like SPACs open at $10 a share. Mm. So at 89... The amount this this thing has like a market capitalization of like 16, 17 billion dollars bigger than like almost the same market cap as like a Peloton right now. And it doesn't do anything. it. Doesn't, it doesn't have a product. It never had a product. And then when it tried to do a product, it doesn't even work. And so Trump is apparently, you know, beyond pissed about truth social saying quote, what the fuck is going on with truth? Social? I don't know if that's even a real quote. It was quoted in an article, but I'm sure he said something like that, but maybe he didn't. Maybe this whole thing seems scammish to begin with. Like, here's what I don't get. People know that it doesn't work. People know it's not a thing. There are SPACs, that acquire or merge into actual real companies that do things, that have a share price at $9 or $8. It's beyond crazy that, we, that there are people who know Trump rips them off at everything and will give money to the stock thinking, not this time, this time is different. So that's one, Trump, Truth Social, not working. Okay, and he has Devin Nunes run it. Like, let's pick the most incompetent member of Congress to now run a social media company. That doesn't work exactly. And then we'll talk about, you know, about not knowing your job or not knowing how to do your job. Thank you, Jordy, for being this, having this. (laughs) Yeah, is this this analogy all rooted in me? (laughs) It is Melania Trump, just her, even an inability to actually launch a. A purported fundraising event. What was it called? Tulips and Topiaries? Yeah. Is that how you
2: say it? Did you say Topiaries? I, th- I think so, but I'm sure I'll get hammered for, for saying yes, but I, I,
0: I believe so. But
2: yeah. Jordy, do you know how to pronounce
1: so- Topiaries? Is that how you say it? Topiaries
0: topiaries, but I I know for people who think we have a hedge fund, I (laughs) could imagine that the word topiary is something that people with a hedge fund would probably know what it, you know, you know, there's, you know,
1: there's a couple (laughs) of people out there just screaming at their, in their cars right now.
0: Hold on. on. Not
2: only that
1: topiary. Oh, we nailed it.
2: Not only that, Ben, as you would know okay. that it's not called a hedge fund, but a trust fund. Um, but, a, but that's right, Ben. The, speaking of Trump scams, a Florida That's fundraiser. what we would tell
0: Harry Littman. We don't edit, dude. You see our mistakes. <laughs> you, you are on this journey with us. You, you could call it out. That's why, Right,
1: Jordy? Transparency. I, I, exa- transparency. We don't know where we're going to start. We don't know where so we're going to end gonna up. But, but,
2: but y'all are here with us. But Let me provide some context. So a Florida fundraiser that was to feature Melania Trump has been called off after state regulators there concluded that the company working with Trump to organize the event had not properly registered to solicit contributions. Another Trump charity scam, this time coming from Florida, which I think says a lot. If Florida is calling you on your bullshit, then time to reconsider some things. This makes the second state, I believe, in which the Trump family has not been allowed to run a charity. Um, it, it really says something when the who had the nuclear codes literally not around, allowed to run charities in states. I mean, it's uh, you're probably not the best uh, the best person. I'm just going to. End on that, but yeah, I mean, we've seen this whole—you know—every attempt, everything that they do is all a grift. It's all a failure. I mean, she had to buy her own NFT because no one was buying it. <laughs> this operation isn't allowed to happen. Truth Social is a dud. Not even Trump is posting on Truth Social. He didn't truth the truth. He, he didn't truth the truth. He didn't truth the truth or retruth the truth or he whatever. Didn't retruth the truth. Truth. And the only post I've really even seen from Truth <laughs> Social was from Nick Fuentes saying that he is glad that Putin is standing up to D.C. adding fuck he the truth State that? Department. He, did a truth he, truth. he said the Nick Fuentes, you know, How who, many Marjorie re-truth? Taylor Greene, <laughs> zero. It had no, this no screenshot re-truth. has no re no, no truth likes, no truth comments. He wrote, I for one am glad that Putin is standing up to Washington, D.C. Fuck the State Department, fuck the Pentagon and fuck NATO. That is the kind of content that you will see on Truth Social, I cannot imagine why it is a ghost town. This
0: podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp, I use BetterHelp. BetterHelp isn't self-help, it isn't motivational speakers. BetterHelp is professional therapy that you can check out through your computer, through your smartphone. If you don't want the therapist to even have to see you, if you just want to do it, you could turn off your screen. I know some people don't want to have that mm-hmm. encounter. I do it with my screen on. Um, but for me, waiting on the long lines of like being in a waiting room uh, for the therapist sessions that I that I had or just even calling it it, it was very difficult by the time i would get to the therapist kind of come back it would take a really long period of time and that would kind of stress me that would kind of stress me out too and so it would add the stress of the actual travel (laughs) Yeah, yeah you don't want that i don't want that so with better help i have a professional therapist and as i focus on you know working out as i focus on other aspects of my life you really need to take care of the most important relationship you have, and that is the relationship that you have with your help. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, which I like, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try. See why over 2 million people and me have used BetterHelp online therapy. I know a lot of the Midas Mighty have used this, Mm Um, just go use it. You know, don't have to talk about it. You don't have to post pictures that you use it. Just you know, use it. It will be helpful for you. And again, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Midas Touch podcast listeners will get ten percent off their first month at BetterHelp.com/Midas. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com/Midas. I want to talk about the bravery of the Ukrainian soldiers? Mm the Ukrainian people, the Ukrainian mothers and daughters and grandmothers and sisters and brothers and everyone there who are fighting so valiantly right now. Um, And we're seeing news of holding Kiev, holding major territories, stopping Russian gains. And I think some of the evidence that we have of this also is that Russia is apparently trying to now recruit soldiers from Syria because I think about 95% of their forces, it's been reported that were prepared for this have already you know, either entered or been destroyed. And they're really kind of floundering there. Like they have not achieved their military goals. They've not achieved their military objectives, despite some of the GOP trying to cheerlead them on and be their propaganda <laughs> arm. They've not hit their goals and objectives. They said that they were going to be able to take it in three hours, is what Putin had said. They thought that they were going to go in there and be greeted as conquering heroes, which they've not been. And again, just want, want to say that my heart goes down to the Ukrainian people. Brett, anything else you want to say about that?
2: No, I, I, I echo your thoughts. Um, every day I'm just so inspired by it. You know, it's also interesting being you know, in California on like a completely different time zone where when it's day here, it's night there and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And every time I, I wake up, I just rush to my phone to make sure that everything is still okay there. Cause it's such a volatile situation, but just seeing the strength, the resolve of these incredible, incredible people, is just it's so it's so inspiring
0: and i saw like a video I yesterday when i wake up i turn around I, I turn over i go to my phone i look up Ilya pomarenko like, yeah I, exactly right away. yeah I, I checked the, the official the ukraine kiev, account and now kiev has an official account independent mm-hmm.
2: Now the city of Kyiv itself has an official account. So if you want to go and follow it, you know, KYIV at KYIV, go follow Kyiv. And it's just incredible. I mean, I saw a video yesterday that really just took my breath away of a young girl in a bomb shelter in Ukraine singing, let it go. Uh, to a crowd of people and how she just kind of stopped the crowd. There were babies crying. Everybody was scared. Everybody's huddled up in this undisclosed location in Ukraine. And this little girl with an angelic voice just starts singing, let it go. And everybody just looks at her with admiration. And then at the end, she smiles. And to see this happening in light of what is happening right outside that bomb shelter of Putin indiscriminately bombing apartment buildings, indiscriminately killing Civilians. Um, it just really shows you the strength and power of the Ukrainian people, especially when contrasted to just the horrors of what Putin is doing and what the Putin propaganda machine is doing. Because as Putin gets more desperate, more desperate. What you see is their propaganda arm ramping up. You see them trying to clamp down more on these protesters, arresting more people, threatening more people with jail, looking through their phones on the street to see if they are dissenting with the official line of the Putin government. I think those pe- Russian people, by the way, are also incredibly brave. Those people taking to the streets in defiance of Putin, in defiance of all of these threats to their lives. I think that is also true bravery. And I hope that everybody here in America looks to that bravery that we're seeing on the streets in Russia and on the streets in Ukraine and sees what it truly means to fight for democracy.
0: A few other updates there. I'll just put up on the screen and I'll read it for those listening as well. Um, Ilya pomarenko's uh, tweets of today the battle of kiev as of march 7th as a witness i can confirm this map's accuracy as you can see russia's are, russians are not even close to encircling kiev and i don't understand what they're counting on given the severe casualties and extremely slow movement and the map just shows only a very 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 small portion of the outskirts of kiev having any kind of russian presence in it he also posts a photo of the International Legion fighters, people from all over the world who have come to fight for Kiev. There's also a quote from Chief of Defense Staff Admiral Sir Toyney Radikin on the Russian convoy of the UK, um, saying that we're seeing Russia failing to operate in a, quote, competent fashion, and that is impacting morale. And one of the things that we've seen is that the Russians are out of fuel, um, they they haven't planned for the fact that their convoys can't go through in the mud. and so their convoys often just get stuck in the mud. Um, and they just seem to be a very incompetent fighting force. But you know, day in day out though, it seems that their strategy more as they can't achieve their military objectives, though is just launching missiles at civilian areas to try yeah. to just literally destroy all of these, you know, cities, towns, incredible legacy of Ukraine, but Ukraine's not going to be defeated and and Ukraine's going to stay strong. And um, we all need to support Ukraine, Ukrainian people, however we can. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. Want to give a special thanks to Harry Litman, special thanks to our sponsors, AG1 and BetterHelp. And of course, we always like to give podcast recommendations. We definitely want to recommend Harry Litman's podcast, Uh, which is, as we said, is called Talking Feds, and also want to give a Shout out to the Hell and High Water
1: podcast. Yes. Hell and
2: High Water with John Heilman, superstar John John Heilman, who I've been seeing like every day on MSNBC. I feel like he he fills in for hosts when they're they're not there, or he's big John John Heilman supporters here. I've been a big John Heilman supporter for a long time. You might know John yourself as the host of the Circus on Showtime, which is one of the most innovative political shows I think ever created. And he's the national affairs analyst on MSNBC and NBC News. He is just straight up up crushing it. He is just a prolific, prolific analyst um, who I I know many of you are familiar of. And you might also know him as a guest from this very podcast, the Midas Touch podcast. He was on Mm -hmm. here a few weeks ago. So in Helen Highwater, John dissects our tumultuous times. I mean, think about all the things that we've been speaking to on this very podcast with deep thinkers from around the world on politics, on policy and culture. You got people like Brian Cox, AKA Logan Roy from Succession. Fuck off. Fuck off. Big Brian Cox fan, former Brian COVID advisor Andy Slavitt, journalist Ann Applebaum, and LA mayoral candidate representative Karen Bass. So if you like in-depth conversations with people like that, that get at the heart of this apocalyptic moment that we're still living through, unfortunately, Helen Highwater is the podcast for you. And you could subscribe to Helen Highwater wherever you get your podcast, same place that you get the Midas Touch podcast. So hope you take these recommendations. Hope you check them out. And the better informed we are, really, the better that we're able to face the issues that lie ahead of us and the better prepared. We are to protect our democracy brothers. This has been such a great episode. I feel like we covered a lot. Our interview with Harry was, was fascinating. It truly did fly by if you like the show remember to give us a five-star review in your podcast app of choice and leave some kind words for us we always appreciate you leaving kind words for us in the review it uh, means a lot to us we read them all remember to tell a friend let me get a little about, bit more
1: specific we've been attacked by some trolls and we need y'all to step up and leave a five-star written review please just do it right now
2: it ta- it takes one minute and, and tell friends about the show we've seen week over week our podcast growing brothers we just hit over 35 million podcasts <laughs> downloads across our podcast network. So make sure that you subscribe to all of the Midas Media Network podcasts. You'll find a link to all of them in the description of this podcast. So you can just go one by one and go subscribe, 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 subscribe. So go and do that. And thank you, Ben. Any other final words for us before Jordy does a sign up?
0: No final words other than we so greatly appreciate everyone's support as always. We'll keep fighting
3: for you. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!